Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces Podcast, episode 352, and this is an incredibly exciting one for me. This podcast almost made me call it a day on on podcasting, on the podcast, because it's an absolute high. I got hit up on less than 24 hours notice, probably about five hours notice, more realistically. Yeah, five or six hours notice. I got asked if I wanted to jump on Zoom and have an hour with my favourite director of all time, Gaspar Noe. And honestly, I paused over the email. I went to say no because I thought, I've not got time to prepare. You know, if you're going to chat with with one of your your heroes and someone you'd love to work with at some point, you want to be at your best. But I paused and kind of went, we've got to make this happen though, right? So I said yes. I got to preparing and we jumped on Zoom and we had an amazing chat. And honestly, this one and the Stephen Fry one recently were two that I finished and went, do you reckon I'll draw a line under it there? Because <laughs> as I said, it's, it's the peak. Man, it's mad that I get to do this. I'm so grateful to you lot for listening. Yeah, it's insane to me that this is something I get to do, that I get to have these conversations with these amazing people. And honestly, this went as well as I could have hoped. Gasper is promoting his new film, Vortex, which is a massive change from his previous films, but, you know, equally amazing, just in different ways and loads of the the same ways, but via a different approach. All very vague, but we get into it. Vortex is in cinemas on the 13th of May, and there's an awesome focus on, on Gasper Noe and a new French extremity season, at the BFI South Bank, all throughout May. A lot of you will know I've got mad love for the South Bank. In fact, the current script I'm trying to get made is in many ways a love letter to the South Bank. But that's much of a muchness. I mean, unless there's production companies and whatnot tuning in, because um, <laughs> as I recall this, next week I'm going into full pitch mode on this one. And uh, I think it's fucking amazing, genuinely. And you you know you don't hear me talking about my scripts and stuff on the podcast. I keep that all very under wraps. But this is this is a special one, man. I've gone off on a tangent there. Gasper's amazing. If you're not familiar with him and his work, get down to that South Bank season if you can. Because as you'll hear, I catch all his films in the cinema because I genuinely think it's a, just a different experience. But all of them I've also watched at home. So I'm a big fan. The first film of Gaspers I saw was Irreversible and then Enter the Void and then Love and then Climax featuring previous Distraction Pieces podcast guest, Sophia Bertella. Amazing story about getting her to work on the project in here. Yeah, I'm going to stop rambling on. If you're a fan of directors, I guess, I've had Spike Lee on. I've had... I've had everyone. I've had Mangold. I've had McKay. I've had so many good legendary writers and and directors. You're talking on the writers' front. We've we've had Stephen Knight, Kurt Sutter, Kelly Marcel, loads of amazing people, basically. So, but yeah, this one was a special one for me. This one, the email came in, and I was I panicked, and then went, "Nah, let's fucking do it." And then when we finished, I was buzzing. Because he's he's amazing. He's an inspirational dude. And I genuinely hope he needs a big English man at some point. (laughs) So, um, yeah. Anyway, this is a rambly intro. As ever, we're brought to you by SpeechDevelopmentRecords.com. Head over there to get merch and goodness. We've just dropped the very limited edition, always selling out um, gold print versions of the we may not be for you and that's fine sunglasses we've got loads of good stuff over there basically check it out you can also catch me on twitch acting a fool twitch.tv forward slash scrubius pipio um i'm doing loads of mad things over there you might be able to hear a dog snoring in the background that's finley check him out on instagram finley and b um (laughs) That's probably all I need to, to, to tell you about. Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Pip. But yeah, most importantly, g- 
go and catch Vortex in the cinema and catch this whole Gasper season at the South Bank. Honestly, if you can get tickets, if when you hear this, there's still tickets available, catch it, man. There's there's some amazing stuff being screened. A few things Gasper mentions in this chat are being screened, and yeah, it's dope. I'll be back at the end for a little bit of a wrap-up and a round-up, but for now, this is episode 452 with the man, the myth... The alive by the skin of his teeth and the the grace of gravity, Mr. Gasper Noe. This piece of fiction is the intro to destruction. This piece of fiction is the intro to destruction. This piece of fiction is the intro to destruction. This piece of fiction is the intro to destruction. Right, I'm recording now. Um, I'm here today with Gaspar Noe. How are you, sir? Fine, and you? I'm good, I'm good. It's been a mad few years for everyone, but kind of extra mad for you with the whole nearly dying thing and all of that. How's how's that been? That was um, uh, the last days of the year 2019. Yeah. So I was in a hospital at the beginning of 2020, and then after being there one month, and uh, and the con- the confinement linked to the um, to the COVID, one year later I went to Buenos Aires to see my dad. And coming back from Buenos Aires, I had the idea for this movie. So, yeah, it was like a, a weird year for everybody. The the year twenty twenty. Yeah. But in my case, when I came out from the hospital, and I was very lucky to to have survived to to a brain hemorrhage. They said it's just one person out of six who survives without damage, wow. uh, and half of people die. But I thought I was a, v- a very lucky man. And then I was told to stay at home, not to move for a while. Also, because of the COVID, uh, everybody was staying at home, so I had no temptations and no friends to 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 go to meet for drinks. So I spent almost a whole year year watching all Japanese movies, all Russian movies, all expressionist movies. So uh, in some ways, uh, it was like reliving my own use when I was watching one two movies a day. Yeah, my my dad had an operation during the pandemic, and I was saying to him, it's kind of the perfect time to be recovering because, as you say. There's not much temptation out there. No one's luring you out or distracting you. So that worked out nicely, I guess, in some weird way. And the good thing with eBay, you can buy like secondhand copies of all all movies on Blu-ray for the share of their price. So I was receiving one or two DVDs or Blu-rays every morning and then... I love it. What sticks with you as standing out from that period of movie watching? Are there any films that come to mind that were particularly influential or hit you? Oh, yeah. Uh, I discovered some directors that I, I almost didn't know at all, yeah. like Mizoguchi yeah. and also Naruse. And, and there is another one that's almost unknown in the Western world called Kinoshita, who did the original version of The Ballad of Narayama, who's oh, another... Really? Japanese master that, uh, for some weird reason, is not as recognized as all the other Japanese masters. Yeah. And I, I also uh, watch every single movie that that exists of Dreyer. I started yeah. watching Kurosami. I, 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 no, when when direct movies, it takes you a lot of time, so you know there are some missing pieces in your cinematic culture. And I had many pieces missing. Like for example, I had never seen Andrei Rublev by Tarkovsky. And that's an, that's another incredible masterpiece that uh, I had missed for years and years. Yeah. Did those films influence um, v- Vortex then? Because Vortex is very different from anything you've done before. P- pace-wise, visually, everything about it, it's very... I, I also had to deal with many closed deaths uh, during the year uh, yeah. 2020. Three very close men died around me. The actor of uh, uh, my first feature, I Stand Alone, uh, uh, Fernando Solanas, the the Argentinian film director, uh, who was like an an uncle for me, but also I I had been his assistant on many movies, uh, assistant director, and he was like a second father for me, and then also the father of Lucille. Uh, So I saw three men who were like... uh, almost as close as my father dying in a row when I saw their funerals. So, the, uh, yeah, so, so the, I was impregnated by what death is and what like, the, the, the arrow of time is when, when I started this movie. Yeah, what str- 
struck me about this movie compared to maybe your other movies is the split screen nature of it means Mm. it's it's equally as unflinching and unescapable but at a far slower pace and i think that particularly with the pandemic and and when we experience death and loss in life it is that it's not this quick highlight that we often see in films it can be this long drawn out either the lead up to death or the the feelings after it's not just a a flashing moment so was that the plan there to kind of say look i want people to sit with the realities of this you know yeah i think the the timing of the scenes is a real timing the the fact that it's in a split screen like if their lives were separate while they're living in the same space under the same roof yeah. uh, makes sense you know that they're disconnected even more because of the the mental disease the the woman has but um, even in real life two lives are living under the same roof are are like two separate tunnels <laughs> that can yeah. watch each other. Life is a lonely experience. You hit other people. You you smile to other people, but uh, you're all alone in your head from the first day until the last day. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And it really highlights that. I've always kind of subscribed to that belief that we're all, as an actor as well, even in the smallest roles, mm-hmm. it's that realisation that in life, we are all the lead in our own film. Mm-hmm. We're, we're not a background character in 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 our own lives even if we are just sitting on a bus so yeah. and that comes across really beautifully in this because as you say we're experiencing two different lives at once but they're both the lead as such yeah and also at the end of the movie both lives are personal so the the, the there are experiences that cannot be shared but also they are erasable so uh, yeah. at the end uh, lives are erased without without having been shared, really. Um, yeah. The, I was talking with some other journalists before, uh, and we're talking about uh, the end of the movie. And it's just like uh, the very end of the movie is like if the footprint that these people have could have left also disappear. So, yeah, uh, yeah one thing is your memory. The, the, the memory disappears when you're dead or it can even disappear before if you lose, if you lose your mind. But after... Uh, losing the memory and uh, losing your life, then also your footprints can disappear almost as as soon. Yeah, yeah. And so so uh, another thing that's happened to you in, in recent years is is getting sober. I assume that's – was that in reaction to the the, the hospitalisation or in, – In my case? Yeah, in your case. Uh, yeah, I, I got sober. Most of my, my only addiction was partying, drinking yeah. and partying – Partying and drinking, but for many years I was going out every night, drinking screwdrivers, meeting people, chatting. And but at a certain point, when I was shooting Enter the Void, uh, I started having blackouts from time to time. And say, oh, that's weird because I was in the club and I woke up in my hotel room or or at my place. I, I don't know how I came back. And they say, oh, this is getting like shaky. But so I I started reducing the amount of vodka that I was drinking. Yeah. <laughs> but still, lately, I was told, yeah, you know, uh, after what happened to you, you have to, 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 to protect yourself. So I, uh, I totally stopped smoking. I stopped drinking white alcohol like gin, vodka. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I even stopped putting salt in my food. But uh, it's, it's kind of weird. To, to not drink while you're having dinner. So, yeah, I keep on drinking with the meals all the time. But, um, yeah, I know if it, it's not serenity. I don't know if it's maturity, but it's just like I, I, you want to live long. And my father, for example, he's 88 years old uh, and he's hyper creative at his age. So, yeah, I'd be happy to be 19, 95 without any brain damage. Yeah. And, so you and have I've, to be careful. <laughs> exactly that. I And, again, you've you've maybe got what you need to get from those years i know like i don't particularly do any any drugs anymore but all the drugs i did in my youth have influenced who i am today are a big part of my art and everything else but i don't need to keep doing that i kind of i i I kind of had the point of also you get bored yeah you get bored but but also i've seen people have a really bad time on these things i had a good time on them so i kind of felt this is a good time to stop because i've not had the fucked up bit yet i've not had the had the damage of it yet so i guess how much has that lifestyle influenced your films and your your creations over the years i know that i stopped 
marijuana, for for example, yeah. or, or, or marijuana grass and hashish, very young because when I was 15, probably I discovered it. And at the age of 20, I was turning so paranoid every time I would smoke. So I totally stopped. And then I started trying other things, but the, and I started enjoying alcohol. But yeah, so drugs and chemicals shift a lot. So the they can amuse you for one year, two years, three years. And on the fourth year, you just don't want to see them again. Like a bad, a good friend who turned into a bad friend. You just cross the street when you see the, the other guy's face around the corner. Yeah, it's it's weird how these things affect different people because I'm exactly the same there. I stopped doing weed at least 10 years before I stopped doing hallucinogens because mm-hmm. weed didn't agree with me in that way, whereas hallucinogens did. And then alcohol still similar. It sticks around every now and then for meals or whatnot. But again, it's how your relationship changes with these things, I guess. Oh, being curious in life is good, but uh, being compulsive is not good. So... Uh, Every time I could try something in, in a safe context with the right people, I would try it. But uh, yeah. uh, I, ne- I never, I never put myself in risk uh, with any chemical or any plant. Do you, do you think that sensible curiosity influenced the kind of excess that a lot of your films explore? Like Irreversible, Enter the Void, obviously Climax as well, all explore some kind of excess or addiction. So do you think there's a fascination there because of your own kind of control in life? It's probably because uh, I enjoy being with people who are curious. Yeah. And curious people can be considered excessive. Now, most of the people I portray in my movies are the kind of people that I hang out with in real life. Yeah. Besides yeah. the rapists in Irreversible. <laughs> yeah, besides that guy. But other than that, I want to kind of ask, as as I've said, I'm a big fan of your of, of your work and I've personally felt enjoyment from, from seeing Irreversible the first time in a, a cinema. I've consciously seeked out screenings each time because watching in the cinema is a different experience. Mm. Do you have any preference or preciousness over where and how people watch your films or enjoy your films or do you just kind of you like them just watching if they if they can if they want to Uh, of course it's always funner to watch movies in on a big screen but sometimes you you cannot you're not able to go to see it at the bfi when it's playing or you're not uh, or you're not in a mood to cross the whole city to spend 90 minutes uh, in a movie theater and spend another 90 minutes to go back to your place so uh, sometimes uh it feels much better to watch it the movies at home because uh, you find the right timing for, for, for experience. Have you seen the, my second edit of Irreversible? No, no, I've only seen the original release. Be, because uh, it, it was it was released on, on Blu-ray in England. I did a, a new cut the, that is chronological instead of the original. Right, uh, wow. Uh, how you say uh, the new one is clockwise and the other one was anti-chronological. Yeah. But I think they're, they're going to be playing the new cut on a big screen at the BFI when the, they're, they'll be doing my retrospective. So if you I want to see that. it in a very new way, come to see it at the BFI. Uh, it's at the beginning of May. I'll have to catch that. How, how, how was that to put together? Because one of the most beautiful things about Irreversible because of that edit was it's it's got a happy ending but that's what makes it heartbreaking because <laughs> it's not the ending it's the beginning it, it it's heightened in the heartbreak because you kind of go oh it's beautiful and, th- and then it sinks in that you're like ah fuck <laughs> that 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 that, the, that makes everything that's happened previously in our timeline even worse so mm. how was that to put it together with a brutal ending i guess <laughs> Uh, th- th- there is another movie that I did doesn't have a happy ending, but it kind of looks like a happy ending. It's Luke Saturna, the, yes. the fifty-two minutes piece I, I did. Yeah, because uh, it's about uh, the, the the shooting of a film about witches, and on the set everything goes wrong, but at the end, accidentally there's some technical problem with the lighting, and at the end, what, what the camera is shooting looks great. So finally, the movie that that, that they're shooting that was supposed to be a total. Sh- artistic shit becomes a masterpiece just because there is a technical problem on the set. Yeah. And yeah. so the last images are uh, incredible. Made, <laughs> I can't think of the, the film it made me think of. Um, oh, man, that's going to kill me because they're doing a remake of it at the moment as well, which I don't think would be good. But there's a particular 
I'm sure it's a French film, maybe it's a, a German film that is all about the making of an avant-garde film and all the way through. Uh, or is, is it La Nuit Américaine by Truffaut? Yeah. Uh, the, the American Night by Truffaut? The, the, there was no. a French movie with Jacqueline Bisset. Uh... No, I don't think it is that. It, 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 essentially, all the way through, you're kind of getting the impression that this avant-garde film is going to be shit and then when they actually show a part of it in the film it's astounding and it's kind of i can't yeah i don't don't know it's going to annoy me because it's i'm sure you will have 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 been aware of it because it's a it's a bit of a classic but um did making lux eterna inform vortex because of the split screen nature and things like that of having of representing two things at once and and realising how much you can have going on. You don't have to have one go boring while this is happening here. You can kind of keep both. No, mo- mostly uh, nowadays I like shooting fast and without a script. When I shoot Climax, I shoot it on in 15 days, which is nothing, yeah. uh, with a, a seven-page script. And then uh, I shot Lux Eterna in five days with uh, three lines. And then so I said, well, for, for this new one, Vortex, if I write 10 pages, it's already too much. I'd rather create the movie on the set with the, the actors yeah. that, that have agreed to play in the movie. So, yeah, I want to get the money to rent the cameras, to have my crew, to, to have the location, buy some clothes and have the, 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 the actors that uh, I would like to party with and and then... Let's start the party and uh, and makes let's make some valuable out of the party. I, I love it because it shows the collaborative nature. Um, Sophia Obertella is is a is a friend of mine, and and mm. the year that Climax came out, she had numerous really big projects out that year, mm. but Climax was the one that she was most invested in and excited. Like I'll often text after one of her films, be like, "Oh, that was great," but Climax was one because she knows I'm I'm a fan of you as well. Mm. That she, she was like. I want to know what you think of this because, again, yeah. as you say, it was essentially a fifteen-day party um, that then be- be- became this piece of art. And the beautiful thing there for me was seeing so many people who didn't know that Sophia was a dancer, a refugee, a dancer, all of these things prior to a Hollywood-type star. Yeah. So, yeah. how was that to kind of, as you say, not have much of a script? not have much of a, a pitch I, I, document I, I, and just say, do you want to I, I, just would, come and make a film? No, I, I think that the, you have to pre-produce a movie in an instinctive way. You have to find the right people who are creative, who are inventive, who are easy to work with. Yeah. And then uh, bring them all together and then create whatever can be created collectively. Mm-hmm. And then the, the director always has the final word because then in the editing room, you can get rid of anything that you dislike and you just keep the, the whatever you liked that is in the can. Uh, so I'm not worried no, when I shoot. I think uh, shooting feature films uh, that are narrative is like also like shooting documentaries. Bring as much material as you can to your editing room and then the, there's a second... Uh, part of the creative process that is selecting the the, the right moments that are uh, that are recorded in the can. Yeah, I and love that. Getting I... rid of uh, whatever is not uh, as good. So uh, w- when you start editing, you don't know if the movie is going to last eighty minutes or two hours and forty minutes. Uh, and uh, it's like a baby that that has its own needs. You no, know, the the baby says, "Oh, please." Uh, to take this thing out of me and so some scenes that you like shooting don't work in in, in the edit so you just take pull them out of the box so the baby can can, can, can breathe i love it and i love the the uh, one of my favorite things i come from music i was a rapper for years and in music i was in control of everything i, I directed all my videos i'd sort my tours and all that so moving into acting one of the things i love is the kind of is the lack of control, the panic, the the finishing a shoot and coming away going, well that might turn out to be sh- shit or it might turn out to be amazing because because mm. it's the, the, then in your hands. So how do you find that kind of that responsibility to put all these people together to get all the the footage and then the, they have to know that it's out of their control now. It's all what you find in that. Yeah, it's also. People also know very quickly that any good idea they can bring 
might be there for, for forever. So it's at a, at a point like even the, the actors, the, the technicians start competing to, to see who has the, the, the funniest idea to bring or to propose to the director who then accepts it or not. And then uh, I don't like feeling that I'm working. Yeah. So the, and the best way to, to not have that feeling that you're working is just to hire people that you will go for holidays with. For example, I, I I always loved having lunch or dinner with Dario. I say, oh, if I can have Dario, the, like the the the, the lunch time during the shooting is going to be funny because he has so many stories to tell you. Uh, I discovered that he was a uh, he was hanging out in Germany with Fassbinder. I can't believe you know Fassbinder. And then also Francois Brown had so many stories about Jean Stage that I admire. And then uh, no. It, uh, and Bruno Duby, my, my permanent cinematographer that I love, also had so many stories of his other shootings that even while you're working, you're waiting for the lunchtime or the dinner time so you can yeah. <laughs> talk about other things than just the movie itself. I'd, I'd make up a project if it meant I got to hear uh-huh. obscure Fassbinder stories in the in <laughs> in the lunch breaks. That's uh-huh. that's absolutely insane. How was it working with Dario then? Because Obviously, he's a, a legend of, of cinema, mm. and I think you've got some shared language in the films you make. To not sound too poncy with it, the vibrance, the colours, the the wanting to to bring excitement onto the screen. Mm. How was it to 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 work with him and on a project like this, which isn't necessarily about vibrance and colour and flashing? Mm. It's it's about a uh, muted uh, relationship. I think if it was not because he had seen my previous movies. Yeah. And, for example, I met him when I, I was showing Carney, my first uh, short film in Toronto, and he said, oh, can I help you to produce your, your feature film? Then I did the I Stand Alone that he saw. Then w- once w- w- when I was editing Irreversible, he came to Paris and he came to my editing room, so I had shown him the, the first half of Irreversible while I was editing. And then, like, every two years we would meet, or every year we would meet in some festival or in Paris or in Rome. Uh, so it's like a long term friendship that finally concluded in working together it, it all felt very natural but the but when i told him i have this idea for this movie it's a sad movie it's not it's not a horror movie because he really liked climax also uh, and he was kind of worried when he's so loved why, why is gaspar doing porn now but uh, <laughs> but uh, so he would have expected me to propose him something like Climax or or like uh, Irreversible or probably or Enter the Void, probably, but, but not this movie. Because also he feels very young and say, well, what's this movie about an old couple? Like, uh, I'm young. And say, yeah, of course you're young. Uh, yeah, you're very young. So I, I just want you to play this old man, uh, you young Dario. And, <laughs> <I> say, <"Okay." laughs> and then he put a condition, say, uh, he said, oh, but I like to have in the story a mistress. And I said, okay, of course we'll find you a mistress. And finally, it ended up being the girl who was taking care of the wardrobe, the sidelines of the shooting, who played the part. But it's like it's a small part. But uh, I said, you have to create your own character. Uh, My script is just 10 pages long, but also because it has big letters with a normal typography would be five pages long. So you create your character. Uh, I do the camera. I operate the camera. You do your job. I do mine. And Francoise will do her job and, and let's make a good movie together. So, uh, and he said, and the dialogues, I said, of course, I'm not going to give you dialogues. You are much better for talking than I am for writing dialogues. So I said, okay, 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 well, well let, let's do it. And so, so he came to Paris. He's, uh, we were supposed to shoot the movie in four weeks, but finally it took five weeks, but he left one week before the end. So, yeah, that's how we did the movie. I love it. The, the way you speak of making films, there must be a level of confidence on your part that you're going to be able to make something good. Every time in my, in my music career, every time I finished an album, mm. I'd be thinking in the back of my head, I've got away with that. I, like, I've, I've not got another one in me. I don't know where that all came from, but it's there and it's good. So that's wicked. But it doesn't feel like it's anything to do with me. So to shoot with that kind of feeling of, I oh, will shoot it or I'll put it together. And then, in my opinion, they've all worked out really good. So is there ever any doubt that you're putting it together and going, oh shit, it's not working? Uh, but also, also, for example, if you have to cut scenes, of course, the, the, sometimes in my previous movies, there are scenes that were not as good as the other ones. Take them off. And if the movie is too short at the end, you can always invent scenes with just title cards or you can 
yeah. invent something that you should in one day that would make the movie that it's a, that is a 70 minutes long, 75, you'll find an idea to make it longer. But Yeah, uh, you figure it out. <laughs> what, what you mostly see when you see movies, the, the, you feel the energy that was going through the set during the shooting. Yeah, I, I, I think that's why Climax was uh, was my favourite of of your films on on that first watch and i've got kind of i've got a bit of a theory on on your films so i'm not going to tell you about how you make films um but it's obviously you present a load of different topics and subjects and visuals with each film but it feels like each film you kind of are obsessing on one topic so with irreversible it feels like it was revenge with love as Dario said, it's sex. You've, you, you're making porn all of a sudden. With Enter the Void, it felt like it was consciousness, but with Climax, it felt like it was dance. Those were the bits that you would kind of lose yourself in the most mm. in, in in these films. But with Vortex, that <laughs> obsession seems to me to be compassion and how hard that can be over long term with illness mm. with all sorts of different things compassion is seen as this simple <laughs> oh i have love for you i love you and it's far more complex mm. than that it's as we see with the characters there becomes resentment there becomes all of these things it seems like in my movie it seems like maturity could bring to wisdom but yeah. most of the time it goes directly to senility instead <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. From maturity to senility, and where's the wisdom? Yeah, yeah, you get to skip the wisdom part. It's like, hang on, I was waiting for that moment. And then to disappearance. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, you you put it perfectly in the the beginning. I made note of it, the dedication to all those whose brains will decompose before their hearts. Yeah, how is that as a a subject to explore? Because it is relentlessly raw an emotion and and a and a subject i know on the set the mood was uh, was excellent every member of the crew had had parents of the same age than uh, dario and and francois so everybody on the set was relating to the to the story because half of them were already dealing dealing with some illness on the mother's or father's side yeah we're dependent of our parents. And at a certain point, what's surprising is when they become dependent of us. Yeah. So, but, uh, yeah, that's Parent how... Parent in your parents, uh, as such. How, how, how... That's how life goes. Do you, as 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 you mature, as such, do you find <laughs> yourself thinking more and more about that journey towards death? <laughs> I, I, saw, I saw death from very close two years ago. Yeah, and exactly. Uh, hopefully, uh, I was given like a, a lucky ticket. So uh, my, my my life was extended without brain damage or it was yeah. first extended and then it was extended without brain damage. So I said, well, that's, a, that's a, a, such a, a nice gift that destiny gave me. Let's, uh, let's enjoy it as much as humanly possible. So I'm trying to 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 be sweet to myself in order to 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 last long because uh, on other on other hands because i have this like a survivor's feeling uh, and i've seen i've seen other friends who almost died who survived then you're less afraid of death even nowadays with the, this fear of the the atomic bombs falling on our heads uh, yeah. uh, i see people that are really freaking out and i've seen many movies uh, some good ones about what's going to be the civil war like threats you know this uh, old yeah. bbc movie from 1984 and yeah. i don't stop thinking about it so, oh probably it's going to be a very scary experience but we could live it it's going to be a terrifying experience and at the end we'll die and die it's just nothing so but uh, for many people death is an unnatural thing for me this is the most natural thing yeah i've i've got a stammer and i got that because of almost dying as a kid and i think Mm. that and my parents just kind of openly talking about death Mm. when i started doing music and that my albums came out and all the reviews were about how morbid a lot of it was and i didn't know it was morbid i had no idea i was like oh no we just like death's a thing that's what we're all going to do but i think the thing that's scarier and again, is addressed in Vortex, is scarier than death, is growing old. And the thing that it struck me in Vortex is growing old before you're ready to grow old, before you're yeah. ready to become that person. And yeah. the struggle to, to accept 
age, the struggle to accept deterioration, whether it be mental or physical. And that's where the, yeah, the darkness comes, I guess, the kind of scariness, r- rather than simply the threat of death. It's the threat of not dying, if that makes mm. sense. So, yeah, how was that to explore? But in, in, in many ways, I, I felt I was uh, more fearful when I was younger. Yeah. Because the idea of... Uh, of dying or being crippled scare me much more. I've lived the life already, and yeah, there's a, there's some tranquil, tranquility that comes with with age. Yeah, sometimes in my case, at, at least. One of the things I, in general, I like an empty cinema. But again, with your films, I like to be in a crowd, and one of the reasons for for that is you, your credits tend to be quite quiet and, and and gentle so that moment when the lights come up and we're all kind of confronted with what we've all just experienced again you do push a lot of impactful stuff in it into your film so kind of how important is the is finding the right place of discomfort in the in the viewer's experience is that something that you enjoy to explore from again from my days of standing on stage on my own I reveled in the moments of awkwardness and, and silence and discomfort, and I think that's why I enjoy that that post-film moment so much. Is that a key thing for you in, 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 no, in an you're, emotion you're, you want to elicit? You're not trying to bring people to a discomfort zone, mm. like other directors can bring their audience to a comfort zone. Yeah. Uh, it's just once you've chosen your subject, if, if it's a tearful subject, make it tearful. If it's a sexy subject, make it sexy. Just try to reproduce or imitate the feeling that those situations have in real life. Uh, and, and in this case, it's a, it's a movie about aging and passing away. Uh, that's the subject. Yeah. So <laughs> try, try to reproduce the, the, the energy that comes with, the, with those situations. You've spoken many times before. Again, you touched on the, on, on the rape scene in Irreversible earlier. And again, I felt when that started to cause some kind of uproar, it was beautifully put. You kind of, we're meant to feel discomfort if we're watching something as horrific as 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 rape. And that kind of continues across your films. The, 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 the weird thing about Irreversible, sometimes it was men who felt more uncomfortable with, mm. the, with the rape scene. And not only... Because they, 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 they felt weird, or because they were thinking of their daughter, their girlfriend, that that, that that could happen to them. But also, I found out that that many guys came to me in a respectful or in a hateful way because they had been raped themselves, mm. uh, and they said, "Oh, I have never seen this." But and uh, and it was weird because uh, uh, I remember being in a, in a nightclub and a guy said, "Well, you're, I'm, you're lucky that I just meet you now." Because if I had met you just after watching Reversible, I would smash your face. And I say, why? It's because of the rape scene. I say, oh, yeah, well, at least you can, uh, it was portrayed in a way that touched you, so you can know what it could feel like. Yeah, but I, I had been raped by the best friend of my father during my whole youth, so I didn't need right. to see that again and again. Yeah. Uh, and so, but uh, I was surprised because the guy was much taller than me, that much stronger, and he looked like a, like a bodyguard, but uh, yeah, he, 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 yeah, rape, rape everywhere in the society. Yeah, exactly. With with the, I mean, you've spoken of the improvisation and the kind of working it out as you're there. The the five page scripts or ten page, depending on the font. How much preparation do you put into the big dr- dramatic scenes? Because again, on that scene, one of the beautiful things about it is the camera being static on the floor rather than putting us. As, as as part of it, it it, it forces yeah. us to observe. Yeah, but also also the, if the, the the camera is static because the victim, who's played by Monica Bellucci, yeah. is static. She's not active. She 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 cannot escape. So it would have made no sense to shake the camera because then either you would have felt that you're reproducing the aggressor's point of view, or you yeah. would have been like the camera. Of a, of a camera operator getting excited, so uh, it wouldn't yeah. have been respectful to, to to what the situation was. Yeah, how was it? Like irreversible was kind of what really launched you on a global a platform. It felt like. How was it after that had happened? Like, did did you feel pressure? Did you feel under extra scrutiny? 
like how, how was it to 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 suddenly have as said a, a global a pl- platform for your your films mostly that movie that i didn't expect to be a commercial success was a commercial success yeah although it was very violent it was like number one french movie in turkey in greece in venezuela and uh, even in france it did extremely well it sold like six hundred thousand tickets and uh, it was sold to every country and it was much it was very well accepted compared to what I expected from such a movie. So uh, hopefully that movie that was made almost like a bank robbery, like like that was suddenly planned, allowed me to then get one day into the pre-production of Enter the Void. That was my dream project. And when I did Enter the Void, it took me six years to to raise the money, to pre-produce it, to shoot it, to edit it, to do the visual effects and to read it. So uh, it was exhausting. And uh, with Enter the Void, I made my producers lose a lot of money. But the movie now has a cult following, especially among teenagers who are discovering the mushrooms and, and other chemicals. But the, when it came out, it was not commercially successful at all. Since then, I'm trying to do cheap movies fastly done because I don't have the the energy to spend two, three, four, five, six years on one single movie. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I love that. With that kind of cult following and things like that, also become comes a greater analysis. I, I, with Enter the Void, I came to a screening for, that you were doing a Q and A afterwards, and I got the feeling that you were quite quickly growing tired of people over 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 analyzing over um speaking of the art of everything and a lot of stuff you were kind of like i just thought it'd look cool or over intellectualizing is the word i'm looking for how have you found that because again i've always felt david lynch fans for example i feel david lynch can do anything his fans will figure out the meaning and he can then go yep that's that's what i meant to do yep You've nailed it. And you kind of beautifully rally against that. When people do put extra worth or meaning on, you will quite happily turn around and go, no, 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 I just thought it would look cool to be coming out of a penis and doing this or doing that or whatever else it may be. Uh, but I, especially, no, that, that, that's a big problem with the Anglo-Saxon world yeah. and the, the Muslim world also, is that penis is seen as the face of the devil. It's not the same in France, in Italy, yeah. in Denmark, or in Switzerland, like where penis is like a hand, or a, or a <laughs> vagina, or a nose, or or a knee. It's a or an ear. It's just a part of the body that yeah. is more useful for reproduction. But there's nothing shameful about it. But I remember pr- promoting, for example, love in the United States, and I had this question. Much more often than in England, why did you need to show a penis and say, hey, uh, my penis was one of my favorite parts of my body. So uh, why wouldn't I show a penis on screen? It's a, it's a, it looks good. It's like a nose or, or whatever. Please uh, don't don't ask stupid questions. It's a movie about passion. And also when I, I did that um, that shot in Enter the Void where you see a fecundation, I just yeah. thought it was the most normal way to, to show uh, fecundation. Yeah. Where do yeah. we come from? We come from a penis that drops some 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 liquid inside a, a cavern. It's, a... it's perfect. Yeah, <laughs> it, it makes sense. So, before I I wrap things up, I want to kind of ask what you watch, or if there's anything recent, if there's anything, if, if there are any directors or writers or anything recently that you are enjoying. I know you've, you, as, as you said, you went on a big binge of classic. Russian cinema and various other areas. Is there anything from recent times that kind of excites you? Is there anyone you're a fan of? No, I, I, among the, the, the young generations, yeah, there's one director from America that uh, that makes me laugh so much. It's uh, Todd Solent. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I have seen palindromes 10 times at least. And, and also the, the, the black humor of uh, Ulrich Seidel in uh, his movie Paradise Love uh, makes me crazy also. Uh, probably I've seen Paradise Love 10 times and it makes me love each time. Yeah, I love it. And, and you know, I know which I'm totally fascinated also by another like Hollywood movie, Gravity. Yeah. I saw it in 3D in France once, twice. I even bought the German 3D Blu-ray to watch it in German so I could see the movie without 
paying attention to the dialogues. Yeah. Then when I had my brain hemorrhage, I was sent to the hospital and they told me, yeah, you'll probably die in, in the next four or five days, but probably not so well. On the sixth day, they were playing uh, Gravity on TV and it was a very small TV set. On the other side of my my, hot, uh, my hospital room, and it was a tiny square TV with the image inside, and it was playing with in a French dub version. But I was so full of morphine, and I was kind of happy to to be surviving to the fifth day, whatever. And I watched that, and it was probably the my most psychedelic movie experience oh, in my life oh, because I felt like the whole the whole room was turning around the TV, and uh, yeah. I felt like I was Sandra Bullock myself trying to survive for, uh, in space and. I had so much fun rewatching the, the the movie for the ninth time. <laughs> oh, watching Gravity or Morphine sounds like Enter the Void. That that sounds like what you would get there. Yeah, the movement, the movement, and the discomfort of it all. But 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 the the, the TV set was a, a very small one on the other side of the room. But when, when you when suddenly you you, you, you well, I was drugged, but also when you're really focused on the movie, I, I felt like it was a wide screen around me, Taking and also uh, and also I felt like the, it was. The room that was moving all around the TV set, yeah. uh, up and down, and, and I, it was so trippy that you put me in a good mood, and then I survived. <laughs> I, I, I love it. Saved by Sandra Bullock, officially saved, saved by, by Alfonso Cuaron. <laughs> um, before we go, this interview came up last minute, and I was just I was watching your your Criterion um, huh. video before this, and I grabbed a couple of films that you re- recommended on that from my DVD collection. And yeah. one that I was really gl- gl- glad you mentioned was Seconds. Seconds, yeah. Um, what is it about that that you enjoyed? Because it feels like it's it's influential in its kind of relentless ability to just push r- reality, to push linear narrative. W- what do you enjoy about Seconds? I know it's, uh, I, it's dreamy and very realistic at the same time. Yeah. It's about someone getting to another dimension and uh, and trying to survive in it. Uh, in some ways, it reminds me of Visodrome. All the Visodrome is, yeah. uh, is more Kedikian than, than, than Seconds. But uh, uh, yeah, it's someone who's trying to do a new life by changing changing his face and he gets into a new society. And inside, the, that is a kind of call for people who escape from their past. I know there's something that really works in that movie, and it's by far my favorite movie of John Frankenheimer, who did a quite a good movie, quite a yeah, quite an amount and of good movies. Rock, Rock Hudson in it, learning later what he was going through with his sexuality and all this kind of thing, it adds a depth to, uh, uh, to that film as well. That desire to go to another place and be who you truly are, but then being pulled back by people going, "Oh no, hang on." I know who you are, and people f- from your past. It's it's beautiful, right? I love shit like it's, that. It, it, it's a movie that turns you apart, and there are not many movies that really turn you apart. Repulsion <laughs> is another one. Repulsion by Polanski. Yeah, you don't need you, you don't need to smoke a joint to turn apart by watching it. Uh, Com- seconds neither. completely. The, the, the other one you, you mentioned is um, Sundays and Sibyl, um, oh, yeah. that I really enjoyed, and again, not I'm probably trying to force comparisons here but it made mm. me think of, of vortex because of that it feels like it's all about the the value that's added when a limitation is put on interaction on relationships they've they've mm. really got a limited and then it's the difference between the inside world and the outside world's mm. perception of these relationships so, so yeah what is it about that film that you enjoy uh i said it was extremely sweet and intelligent and, yeah. and also so that there are many movies about a uh, a man who has a, or or an older person having a, a friendly, motherly, fatherly relationship with someone younger, yeah. that is accused of being a child abuser or a pedophile or or and who's not. There are a few movies with those kind of subjects, mm. but uh, this one is so touching and so much more poetic than the other ones I've seen. Yeah. And then you really, you really can tell that the, the that the guy's only only purpose to raise his guilt of having killed a young girl, yeah. and so he just wants to be good father to someone. But uh, yeah, that's how people perceive, especially in France. Germans were not very well perceived 
until a yeah. few years ago <laughs> yeah. in France uh, in the 60s uh, a German was a Nazi yeah and, and the main character for, for people who don't know this movie it's about a, um, a German pilot in France who who has an attraction for a girl who's in a in a school and the, the, this girl is not being taken care of by, by, by her parents so she becomes friends with this uh, German pilot and nothing happens but the, everybody thinks that he's twisted and he's not being twisted he just wants to raise his guilt for having killed once a girl in a, in a war accident yeah yeah um well I appreciate your time so I'll, I'll let you you go now before we do what's ahead now what's you've ahead? Not died, um, and and, and let, is, let, let's what's hold, next? What's next? Let's see if, if the missiles are coming or not. Yeah, <laughs> not yes. for the moment, I'm doing the promotion of the movie, and he cross fingers that he don't, no one presses the red button. Then we can yeah, keep on talking about the future. A hundred percent. Yeah, the the future is next. Hopefully. <laughs> well, I appreciate your time, and it's been a pleasure to chat. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to Scroobius Pip's Distraction Pieces. There we go. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I clearly did. Seeing Gasper's smiling little face throughout that was an absolute joy. Beaming back at me from the uh, computer screen was an absolute joy. I didn't know how he'd be. I didn't know how he'd be. He's, you know, he's an artist. I've seen him be interviewed before and kind of... Never like <laughs> cut anyone off or anything, but you know, not appreciate when people have have over intellectualized or whatever else is stuff. So um, you may have heard some nerves in there, but allow it. It's my favourite director, and it was on a number of hours' notice. It was th- that morning, and they were like, "You up for this later?" So yeah, amazing. Do go and check out the chat with. Sophia Batella. That's one of my favourite ones. I've probably referenced it a lot because there was a few stories in it that really inspired me as I moved into acting and continue to. Her chat and and the first Stephen Graham chat. There's been many Stephen Graham chats. They're all amazing. But her chat and the first two part are with Stevie are two that have helped me an awful lot in the the acting world. So yeah, anyway, I'm going to shut up. I'll be back next week. I'm always back. I've been back every week for what are we on seven years now? Eight years? Nine years? Every Wednesday. Sometimes twice a week. Until then, stay safe and stay sane. Ta-ta.